What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demwing here with y'all. As always, quick reminder here, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. My personal at Tanner underscore Demling on Twitter, lacrossebucket.com is the website. Got that out of the way now. Let's get into today's discussion. First of all, hope everyone had a happy uh, 4th of July. We are on the other side of summer now in many respects. The transfer portal is, you know, getting smaller and smaller in terms of players who have found their destination, and especially the big-name guys. We'll talk a little portal here today. Um, but want to start off with the recruiting front uh, where Army and Navy and Air Force, the service academies, the contact period opened on July 1st for those guys. And both Navy and Army have picked up uh, commitments in the 2024 class thus far. Uh, less than a day, uh, you know, we're the first day of the contact period, July 1st. We get Liam Gregoric, uh, Shoreham Wading River, New York midfielder, committing to Navy, uh, ranked as a five star by uh, the National Lacrosse Federation, NLF. Uh, you know, he's coming off a strong sophomore campaign, put up 37 points, 18 goals, 19 assists there, uh, helping the Wildcats to a Class C Suffolk uh, County title game appearance. Sean Wading River, a you know tradition-rich program there on Long Island. Gregoric uh, is now the third of his brothers uh, to uh, commit and, you know, following the footsteps of them heading to Navy uh, to play for Joe and Pro. Uh, his oldest brother, Gavin, uh, was a freshman for the mids this past season. His uh, you know, the middle one is Alec, who is a 2023 commit to uh, Navy and a pretty darn good player as well. Uh, the next day, July 2nd, Army picks up their first commitment in the class, J.P. Guinea. Uh, believes how you say that. Uh, another five-star guy, according to NLF, out of Holderness School. Um, really I- I- impressed w- w- with his game. I have not watched a ton of... Uh, of his film, did get to see a couple of Sean Wedding River games uh, via film this season, but not any uh, of Guinea, uh, but did watch his highlight film and you know, very impressed with the toughness he shows and being able to get to the rack, getting his hands free, uh, really from multiple spots on the field. Uh, really solid get there uh, for the Black Knights, it seems, uh, their first pickup in the 2024 class. Uh, We'll continue to track the 2024 class as have done with 22 and 23. Uh, You can check out the lacrossebucket.com recruiting database. Just go to the recruiting tab. Uh, Do have a 2024 commitments page up uh, at the moment. 
uh, got those two guys in there. Kobe White makes them quick to uh, leave classes from uh, heading to Syracuse and uh, Utah there. So not a ton, obviously, 24 movement right now. Uh, expecting, though, uh, multiple other players to hop, hop, hop aboard, uh, if you will, in the uh, classes for Army and Navy. Air Force usually doesn't start taking kids um, until around uh, September, uh, but usually you do see some early guys head to Army uh, and Navy here in this kind of early stage uh, as they're able to get their, their classes going earlier than other schools. Also want to touch on some recruiting here as it uh, pertains to the Georgetown Hoyas. So they, they, they lose Nate Kabiri, coveted 2023 attackman out of Georgetown Prep, uh, ex-attackman type guy there. They go and, and now they get Will Cole, uh, ex-attackman from Brunswick in Connecticut. Uh, he committed back on July 1st, so last weekend, uh, or last week, excuse me, to the Hoyas. Really, really good ex-attackman, good speed. Uh, and really, if you watched Brunswick this season, really jumped off the page. Uh, was by the top uncommitted player uh, this past season. Just a constant threat at X as both a dodger and a feeder. Uh, helped Brunswick to a 15-1 record this past season. A really, really big get uh, for the for the Hoyas here in the 2023 class. He is the uh, third mid, uh, me, third attackman in the class, 23 class, for uh, the Hoyas, uh, Jack Schubert out of Lake Braddock in Virginia, and Shuey Kelly out of Calvert Hall, Maryland, also in the 23 class uh, on at the attack position. Uh, some good players in their own right as well. The defenseman, Ty Banks, out of WRA up in Ohio, Western Reserve Academy, obviously highlighting, uh, helping to highlight that Georgetown class uh, there, as does Anderson Moore, uh, goalie out of Briarwood, Alabama, to the best defensive players in the class in general. Switching from incoming talent in terms of recruiting and switching to talent that is staying. Um, and, and we go to the Delaware Blue Hens, Owen Grant, Matt Kilkiri, Clay Miller, Ty Coates, Jackson Cedar, Kevin Lynch, Kevin McCormick, all back for fifth season. Kilkiri, Grant, the you know headlining names here as well as Coates and Miller. This is a Delaware team that had a tremendous season a year ago, making it to the NCAA quarterfinals, uh, 13-6 and six season. You have wins over St. Joe's. You have a you know good contest against Duke, wins over uh, Johns Hopkins. And then within your conference, I mean, they started 0-2 uh, with losses at UMass and against Hofstra. And that Hofstra game was weird. That Hofstra game was weird. Um, but they put it together. And they won the last three games of the regular season. 
They, they win the two games they need to to win the CAA. They take care of Robert Morris in the play-in game soundly, 20-8 to victory there. And they take care of Georgetown in what was the upset of the season, 10-9 uh, to over uh, the second-seeded Hoyas. And they go and they fall to Cornell 10-8. to uh, But really a, a really solid season, a tremendous season for Ben DeLuca and the Blue Hens. And really the culmination of what had been building under DeLuca as he's just taken this program uh, to greater heights and, and really building them back up to be a power, a consistent power in the CAA. Looks like they're going to be doing that again here in twenty. 23. I really like what this team brings back, especially defensively, as we mentioned, Matt Kilkiri and Owen Grant. Uh, Owen Grant's, he's, you know, arguably one of the top defensemen in college across uh, the top defensemen, I would argue, in the CAA at this moment. Um, Ontario native does a little bit of everything, uh, really can can do so. Can play close, can play LSM, impact in transition, impact as a cover guy, really uh, a guy that's going to make an impact at the next level. And then Kilkiri, you know, was forced in, into the, was thrust into the fire, I could say, in 2021, having to uh, fill the shoes of one Matt DeLuca, um, and look, he, he does so with, with flying colors. Um, and a redshirt senior this past season continues his great play. Um, and what they've got a solid backup there in Paul Reedy, uh, the freshman, uh, who, you know, if Kilkiri were to move on, it looks like they got a good good replacement next season. Uh, looks like they got a good replacement in 2024, I should say, as, as Kilkiri, you know, obviously announcing that he's coming back. Uh, really a huge, huge win. Uh, for this program to get him back for the fifth season. Ty Coates was their third leading point getter as well. Clay Miller was their fifth leading point getter. Uh, two starting attackmen there. Uh, big uh, gets in terms, in terms of returners as well uh, for the Delaware Blue Hens and their offense. It's going to be a good Delaware team, guys. And, you know, I know the CAA is going to look a little different next season. Uh, with with Monmouth and with Stony Brook, especially in there. Uh, Stony Brook being the – and Hampton also joining, but Stony Brook being really the, the headlining name of this uh, new conference realignment uh, in terms of lacrosse. And, you know, so, you know, Stony Brook brings – and it's a really good team as well. They bring that, uh, but you got to think coming in the season, Delaware – is the favorite to win this conference again. Um, obviously, you're going to have Towson in there fighting. Hostra, I think, should be better. Drexel loses a lot, though, uh, so, so, you know, we'll see. But they still have a lot of good guys coming back as well. Max Simple, especially. We'll see what the CAA looks like. Uh, but Delaware is going to be at the top of it, uh, no doubt, coming into the season, especially now with these guys coming back for a fifth year. Heading to the transfer portal before we open up the bag of mail here. Um, just want to mention here Logan McGovern, Bryant Attackman heading to North Carolina. 
And then I have confirmed Aiden McLean, uh, the brother of Devin McLean, uh, Fairfield attackman last season, was a freshman, is heading to Brown. He didn't play a ton last season uh, for the what is Fairfield for the Stags, but um, you know, heading to Brown there and is the <clears throat> second player uh, that is heading to Brown uh, via the transfer portal. Matt Mateo Corsi, midfielder out of Syracuse, also heading to the Bears. A little unusual. Uh, you don't see too many transfers to the Ivy League. Brown getting two this season. Very intriguing there. We'll see how both of those guys do. Uh, with Bruno, the biggest one being Logan McGovern here recently heading to Carolina, Tommy Schelling, Lehigh Attackman also heading to Duke. Those are the two biggest biggest pieces of news we've gotten here in the past few days on the transfer portal front. Logan McGovern obviously being one of the top players for the Bulldogs in you know, recent memory the past few seasons for them really being a a, a big impact player uh, there and he's using his fifth season at North Carolina 19 goals 35 assists this past season um, and what Carolina they're, they're going to need all the help they can get in replacing what they lose on attack uh, in, in terms of, of Chris Gray Solomon uh, all those guys that they lose, <clears throat> it is going to be Jacob Kelly. It, it It's going to be an effort to replace that. Uh, not only the 80 points from Chris Gray, 37 for Solomon, 35 for Jacob Kelly. Um, it, it's not going to be easy. And uh, look, they, they've got a number of younger guys on this Carolina roster. We'll see how they step up here in 2023 and how McGovern fits into what they're going to do down there in Chapel Hill uh, this season. You know, a guy like Dewey Egan, a freshman uh, this past season that I'm really high on, think can make an impact there. So going to be interesting, this Carolina offense in 2023. Um, I, you know, at the moment, don't really have high expectations for this team heading into 23. I um, think they're going to be good, but, you know, it's, it's Carolina. You kind of always have to think they're going to be decent, going to be a good team. Um, but kind of what the ceiling is for this for this squad um, is yet to be seen. We talked about JT Roselli, uh, Marist transfer coming in on the defensive side, now getting Logan McGovern in here on the offensive side. Uh, finally, Carolina, uh, Joe Brashy and company <clears throat> all you know, benefiting from the transfer portal after seeing uh, uh, multiple players walk. Uh, I shouldn't say walk, but choose to – use their final season elsewhere. Um, Tommy Schelling is an interesting transfer for Duke. Um, is he going to replace, like, Sean Lowy? I, I don't know. Um, you know, you lose Lowy, you lose Robertson. It, it Both at, at attack, you know, Brennan O'Neill's back, Dyson Williams is back, you know. So, you know, he'll probably slide into that third attack spot there with those two guys, um, a very productive player out of Lehigh and what he did there with the Mountain Hawks. Um, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see what he does here with Duke. Um, and, and again, Duke getting a, a really good attackman transfer, but um, how things have worked out at Duke the past couple seasons, I'm not, you know, no. And, and showing, I, I think you could argue, is not maybe of the caliber of Sean Rowley or, you know, Michael Sowers, but, you know, m- most players are not of that caliber. Uh, but showing still a very, very good player uh, who, who had a productive career at Lehigh. Uh, I'm just a little hesitant on these Duke transfers now after seeing, you know, kind of, not that it didn't work, but I don't know exactly how they're going to implement him. If they implement him and play him the right way, I think things can go very well. Um, I think they played Sean Lowy pretty correctly um, for a, a good part of last season. Now, when they didn't, you know, things kind of looked awkward and out of sync. And same thing with Michael Sowers um, a, a year before that. Um, this is still a Duke team that's very, very talented, just up front with the guys they return, putting O'Neal, Dyson Williams, uh, Aiden McAdoy, uh, Andrew McAdoy, excuse me, Aiden Denenza. Um, you know, you do lose a guy like Joe Robertson, Nakai Montgomery, Sean Lowy. That's impactful. Uh, Reed Landon is a midfielder. was a freshman that uh, I'm pretty high on, was really uh, productive at times last season. Nine goals, one assist. Had you know, solid freshman season. Uh, they had the you know hat trick against Notre Dame, hat trick against Virginia. We'll see how he steps up and fits into uh, this offense. Um, and you know, it, it's Duke. Expect them to be good, um, but exactly what to expect after these past couple of seasons of you know disappointment. I would I would say, um, obviously, you, you get to championship weekend in 2021. That's great, but wasn't a good showing. Uh, this year you missed the tournament. You know, hopefully showing can come in and, and provide some more veteran leadership there to help lead things uh, at Duke there uh, in Durham. All right, I think that is it on the transfer portal front here. Um, Cole Herbert uh, is in the portal as well at at Carolina. Speaking of uh, Carolina, seeing a lot of guys enter um, certainly this season. Oh, uh, Jackson Rose heading to uh, Marquette, uh, the attackman out of St. Bonaventure. And he, he, you know, really the Bonnies had a a, a tremendous season in uh, 2020. Two was, you know, all uh, Mac second team player, had 40 goals, three assists. Uh, this past season was the, you know, top goal scorer for the Bonnies in 2022 uh, and was their second leading uh, point getter. So um, very, very productive player and, and really helped build that program up there at St. Bonaventure. He's now heading to Marquette. And Marquette's got a, a pretty interesting class here. Um, they got Grant Evans, a D3 guy out of Grove City. Two JUCO players, Jaden Castillo out of uh, CCB Essex. 
and then uh, Nate uh, Sode, a sophomore attackman out of Hartford Community College. He was a JUCO All-American, had a really productive season last year uh, with uh, with Hartford, not Hartford. Um, I always said that wrong. Um, so you've got those guys there, and now you get a Jackson Rose. That That's an interesting crop that you got there. Uh, Matthew uh, Weingarten, a, a guy out of Mercer attackman slash midfielder that will be heading to Marquette as well. He had a pretty uh, you know solid season last year uh, there uh, when he got in for the Bears. So, I mean, this is a, an interesting-looking Marquette class. It, it's certainly not the best transfer class, uh, but, but it's an interesting one, and we'll see how things all shake out for the Golden Eagles here in 2023. Uh, there, obviously, everyone in the Big East is chasing uh, Georgetown and, and wanting to knock off uh, the, the beast that they have become. All right, let's head to the mailbag here for the last few minutes of the show here. The first question here pertains to the Under Armour All-American game that will go down uh, on July 30th on ESPNU. Uh, Probably, I assume it'll be like an 8.30 uh, game, uh, something of that nature there on July 30th, uh, there at uh, Homewood Field. And so th- th- this question asks, players to watch. Um, so A, everybody. Simple. Um, this is the Under Armour All-American game. These are the best the best. But no, can't just say everybody here. So let's, let's dig a little deeper here. So um, they don't have the rosters up yet, so we don't know. You can kind of like look like, okay, where these guys are located and say, okay, who's north, who's south, whatever, um, or however they're going to do it. Um, so I- I- I'll tell you some guys to watch here. What, first and foremost, Thomas Riccardelli, the, the, the goalie out of Taft, heading to Notre Dame. He is phenomenal. Five-star guy, was originally uh, uh, committed to Penn. J- just phenomenal. Just Absolutely phenomenal. A guy that, you know, I'll say this, it, it's going to be interesting what's, what's going to look like in Cage at, at, at Notre Dame next season. Not saying he's coming in there and stealing Intamin's job, but, you know, Rick is a guy who, you know, has the poise, has the talent, has the skill set to come in and, and, and be a day one starter. Um, in South Bend, if if he takes the opportunity now, every freshman comes in at a disadvantage. You've got to prove yourself. If he can do that, we could theoretically see Thomas Riccardelli starting in South Bend uh, this spring. However, I would still um, probably on the side of Entman starting this season. But very, very good, very talented player there. And Rick O'Delli, one of the probably most talented goalies we've seen uh, out of high school in a while. Uh, one of the most talented I've ever seen in terms of just how he plays, how he carries himself, his talent, his skill set, just off the charts. <clears throat> At the face-off position, um, 
and, and we're gonna kind of go down that way. Um, so I, actually, let's let's go defense real quick here. Uh, defense: Sean Jordan, uh, St. Andrews, Florida, uh, out of Harvard. This is a a, a player who has Jared Connors uh, comparisons. It, phenomenal. It, you know, played for uh, Tony Seaman there at St. Andrews down there in um, South Florida, a, a really athletic player, a really good uh, get for Jerry Byrne, uh, and, and really kind of the, the staple of this uh, really good 2022 class that, that Harvard has put together. He's a guy, uh, you know, and, and look, Harvard, we saw what their defense was this year. I think Jordan's going to come in and, and be a pretty – you know, big part of that from right away. And, uh, you know, he's he's had a solid high school career. Uh, he's going to end it here in the Under Armour All-American game and certainly a guy that you want to keep your eyes on uh, throughout the course of this contest. Um, now, uh, in, in terms of the face-off position, so the guys that have made it are Jack Kaskaden, uh Golden City going to Cornell, Mac Eldridge going to uh, Virginia out of Georgetown Prep, and then trying to look through here at all these. Uh, we've gotten these selections here. Um, and, and I'll say, like, face-off is kind of Andrew McKeon, Episcopal Academy going to Princeton, you know, the face-off position isn't one where you see, um, what where you see like one guy play the whole game. Um, you know, y- you'll see more movement there at the position than any others. Luke uh, Ngelke, please, that's how you pronounce that? Pingree, New Jersey, heading to Duke. Um, I with face-off guys, I usually just kind of say look at all of them <laughs> be- be- because, um you do get so much of a rotation there um, at the position in, in these kinds of games. Um, obviously last year, Chase Mullins was the, uh, the MVP of the, uh, of the game. And, and he was the face-off guy for the South team. So, uh, you know, and you really could, depending on who kind of dominates there, uh, you could see, you know, a not lopsided game, but see, no, the possession battle on one side or the other. Uh, Mac Eldridge is the guy who I've probably seen the most of of these players uh, that are in the All Star game uh, heading to Virginia. Uh, so, so, so that's you know, the one that I'm most familiar with, uh, if you will. There, um, midfield, Michael Weisher. Uh, Archbishop Spalding, Maryland, going to Towson. Um, there's a lot of really good midfielders in this class. Really, really are Brooks English heading to Hopkins. Luke Rowe heading to Syracuse. I think is a really good player. Um, you know, th- 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 there's a lot of guys that, that, that you could put here and, and say, like, these are good midfielders. I think this is a good uh, midfield class, good offensive class uh, overall uh, th- there from my point of view. Um, but – Michael Weisher is just a phenomenal player. The player of the year in Maryland, I think two years in a row. I know he won it in 2021. I believe he won it again this year as well. 
um, really a, a phenomenal player that took really, Archbishop Spalding, you know, the leader of that school. And I mean, look, Towson got him and they were able to hang on to him. He's a five-star type guy heading to Towson. Uh, his brother's there already. Um, he transferred from a, from, from a Juco. So he's going to play with his brother. I, you know, Watch him. That's that's the one guy I'd say kind of I'm excited to see, you know, what he does here in this game. Um, and then, look, when, when, when you go with the attack position, you can say, like, I could take the cop out and go Joey Spelina um, <laughs> because everyone's going to be watching Joey Spelina. He's the number one player in the country, out for a reason. Um, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take the cop out and say, just watch Joey Spelina. Um, we'll go here with Mac Haley going to Navy out of St. John's in D.C. Really, really great athlete. Uh, can really do a lot of things well. Uh, you know, I, I've watched him on film once or uh, uh, multiple times, I should say. I'm um, the first time watching him on film was that Naptown Classic where they – it was on ESPN, and just as a as a you know, rising junior, just popped off the popped off the screen. Uh, j- just just j- commands respect on the field, if you will. Uh, really, really good get there for Navy as uh, you know they continue uh, to recruit very well. Um, and, and Matt Haley being another one of those guys you mentioned, he's like an attackman slash midfielder uh, there. So, uh, you, you know, can play a different, you know, my lad of different ways. Uh, you could play him at Navy. Second question here, last one, because I spent a little bit of time on that one. Um, for today's show is what is success for Penn State in 2023? Um, well, certainly success would be making the NCAA tournament. Success would be winning the Big Ten. Success would be winning the national title, making the Final Four, the quarterfinals. You, you could say a lot of things are success, would be success. After going 3-11 in 2022 and going 4-7 in 2021, and, I mean, look, we, 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 there's a lot of injuries that, that have contributed to Penn State struggles. They have been. And, like, you know, they started the season with the Lafayette game in Huluba Hall, 20-15. to 15. You had the one-goal loss to Villanova, six-goal loss to Vermont. You lose to St. Joseph's, a really good St. Joseph's team, and the first time the Hawks had beaten uh, the Nittany Lions. Uh, you beat Yale, which still, like, you look at what Penn State was, uh, like, the record and all that, you're like, they beat Yale? You almost forget that. One goal lost to Penn. One goal lost to Cornell, who was in the national title game. That was another Huluba Hall game. That's their indoor facility. A one goal lost to Bucknell in their final non-conference game. They beat Michigan are able to withstand, you know, that comeback that the Wolverines put on, and that's the Justin Brown game uh, where, where he broke out so much for for Michigan with a five-goal performance there. A three-goal loss to Hopkins, 
then and, and what Hopkins wasn't I mean, and, and they didn't they then lost to Hopkins a few weeks later in the uh quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. And it looked like Hopkins, I mean we, we all know Hopkins was not the best team this year. They were not necessarily a good team. Um but they they they, they beat Penn State and, and they played them pretty well both times. Uh beat them not soundly the first time, but no, it was a game where Penn State had to come back in the end to make it a three-goal game. Um, and they did end with, with, with that one-goal loss to Rutgers in overtime, which I thought was probably Penn, uh, Penn State's best game of the season. Or maybe it was Rutgers' worst game. But um, it, a, a lot of question marks for Penn State. Uh, Joe Bucci coming in as the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, Jack Flacone you know, started the final two games of the season, is that the guy they're going to go with in cage? Um, obviously, you still have Olyric Fayok, uh there with a redshirt junior. You've got a you know a pretty good recruiting class coming in. You had a pretty good one last year. Will Peden, the freshman, was your top leading scorer. There's a lot of different things that could happen here for Penn State. Um, you obviously, you know, Matt Costin uh, was a junior midfielder. You get Chase Mullins there at the faceoff dot. And, uh, you know, Hudson Vaughn as a redshirt freshman, you know, wasn't impressive uh, really at all. Had a couple good games, but 46% uh, on the season is not going to cut it um, in, co- in, in college across. It's not going to cut it in the Big Ten especially. So, Penn State's got a lot on their plate. Penn State's got a lot on their, on their plate. I think if they can stay healthy for a full season, this is a team. Um, and you saw the youth last season, and you saw them grow. And, and if you watched every single game, you saw them grow and you saw them get better. I didn't watch every single Penn State game, but I watched enough Penn State games to see, okay, like here's, here's the issues early season for a lot of these freshmen in particular. And they did have injuries that forced these freshmen to kind of play a bigger role than maybe they they, they had to um, at times, which I think not made them worse, just made them less experienced. And when you're less experienced going up against a Maryland or an Ohio State, um, you, you know, you're not going to win. Um, you, you're just not. And um, or Cornell or Penn, like you're not going to win those games. And look, they almost beat Penn. They almost beat Cornell. Um they did beat Yale. Like, you know, those positives to take away from the 2022 season. Uh, now, back to the question, what does success look like for Penn State in 2023? I think certainly you want to win um, two Big Ten games. Like, this is still going to be a young team. Like, this is not going to be a senior-laden veteran team here in 2023. This is still a young team. You have a new defensive coordinator for the uh, a you know, these guys that are juniors on the defense. This is the third defensive coordinator in three seasons. That's difficult. Um, and Penn State already their defense was not necessarily good. Uh, they improved a lot in the 2020 season. That was taken away from them, I thought. Um, and like, so I think. From that regard, like they were getting better, they they didn't get to show it all the way. 
Um, and, and defensively, you do lose Brian Powell. You do lose Braden Peck, who were leaders as fifth-year guys. Uh, Kevin Parnum was a, a freshman who started all 14 games on defense, was one of the leaders there, 38 ground balls, 12 cost turnovers. Uh, Bruno was an LSM, a freshman there, uh, who played a, a really integral part of that defense, 19 ground balls, 10 cost turnovers as an LSM. We'll see what this what this defense looks like. And, like, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm looking at mostly is the defense and the face-off. I, I'm pretty confident in the ability of these younger guys offensively um, that they have, a Nils Bailey, a Kyle Aldridge. I'm pretty confident in these guys. Um, and, look, they wouldn't have gotten the, the minutes they did as early on in last season if Tambroni and the staff didn't trust them and trust their talent. Um, so I'm pretty confident those guys are going to step up. Will Peden, like, confident in those guys. Matt Costin's going to be senior. Confident in, in those guys, and I think this offense can improve. But for me, things have to improve. Certainly the offense has to get better. But in, in theory, face-off situation's better. The defense is better. Um, I mean, they allowed 13.6 goals last season. They allowed 13.4 the year before. That's not going to cut it. Um, you got to improve in those areas, and if you can do that and then swing that success back around and, and you've got possession more than you should, yeah, I, th- I think we can see this team improve. Uh, but I know I'm rambling here, but back to the question of what success looked like, I don't know if you can put a number on it. I think certainly better than 3-11. and 11. I think you want to have a winning season. You want to have at least 500. Um, I don't really necessarily think Tamboni is going to go anywhere if they have another losing season because there is so much talent um, in terms of these younger players. But I, uh, you definitely got to be looking and saying, okay, if you know, success equals winning season, no. Nope. At Penn State, and you know, 2019 was good. 2020, you know, was good. Obviously, you, you, you had the stinging loss to Cornell right before you, you, you trounced Furman in the last game of the season. You beat Penn that year. You had the one goal loss to Yale, uh, was your only other loss, or two goal loss, excuse me, to Yale was your only other loss. Um, 2021, 2022 have not been kind to Penn State. We'll see if they can jump back into the fray here in 2023. And uh, success for me would be a winning season. Would be a winning season. Uh, now, what are my expectations? You know, we'll, uh, no, I'll kind of develop those over the coming months as we see what these rosters are going to look like um, holistically coming into 23. You know this fall and, and how teams improve or you know look this fall, uh, then we can set expectations. But um, Penn State, I think they want you want to have a winning season. You, you want to have a winning season. That's success. That's success after the seasons they just had, for sure. All right, folks, that is it for today's show. As always, you can connect with us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast 
on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast. Lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse.